Welcome back to another From the Couch. My name is Todd Schmink. Now today, I'm going to be jumping into one of my favorites. It's calling it the Dirty Dozen. And what these are is that these are the 12 most common biases or blind spots that we all, as human beings, tend to fall into when we are thinking. In other words, these are the 12 most common biases or blind spots that we have as human beings. Now, why would I want to talk about this? Well, one of the ways out of this is to be able to identify these quick little thoughts and to see them as stories as quick as we can. Now, this pairs really well with mindfulness because if we can sit back and notice when these thoughts are occurring, then we can begin to put them into buckets. We can begin to kind of sort them out. And if you did this all on your own, you would probably find these 12 common biases, these 12 common stories as they show up. So in other words, we are basically working to name our story. So we're gonna walk you through different ways of naming your story. And remember, being able to name your story is an important part of being able to detach from it. Remember, we have a story, we're actually fused to it as if it's true. So we wanna be able to detach from it to make it something that is now an object versus a subject. We wanna make it apart from us. We wanna get some distance from it. This is especially useful for those repetitive thoughts, those thoughts that just don't go away. In CBT, it's referred to as cognitive diffusion. In ACT, they would refer to it as diffusion. In integral approaches, they would refer to this as subject-object theory. In any case, all these different approaches allow you to have a process that when practiced purposely will allow you to notice your thoughts and feelings from a place of non-judgmental acceptance. We can do this by being able to name these thoughts as particular stories that your mind is telling you. Now, when I say a story, I'm not saying that it's fictional because there are such things as news stories. And like I said, we want to be able to differentiate sometimes between what we're thinking is a news story or a factual story versus a story where we have added embellishments. With these embellishments, judgments are likely to come up around the story that you tell yourself. And that's something you should be able to name as well. So part of the diffusion is simply saying, I am noticing that I am thinking whatever the thought happens to be. For instance, I'm noticing that I have a lot of critical thoughts about myself. Or maybe you have, I am noticing that I always seem to forget my daughter's, my wife's, my brother's birthday, my best friend's birthday. There are lots of different ways we can play with this. So here are the dirty dozen. These are the 12 main stories that often come up within the process of thinking day by day within our lives. Magnification and minimization. You could probably just make this a real short in your head, kind of a, a quote, and simply say, Maximus Minimus. This is exaggerating or minimizing the importance of an event, the importance of a situation, the importance of a project that you're working on, or just the importance of the thought that you're having. 
One might believe that their own achievements are unimportant, that would be minimizing it, or they might make the mistake of thinking they are excessively important. Magnification. You may believe that you never can get things done on time, that would be magnification. You may believe that no matter how hard you try, you always end up failing, minimizing it. What we want to do is to be able to step back and take a quick look and see, are you in fact doing this? Are you overcompensating for something or are you undercompensating for something? Number two, catastrophizing, seeing everything as the worst possible outcome for a situation. Oh my gosh, I just found this little lump on my throat and it's going to be cancer. And without, if I have cancer, then I'm not going to be able to work. And if I can't work, it's this downhill from there and there it goes. Catastrophizing. How often do you find yourself catastrophizing? Taking something that's small and pushing it and making it something much larger. A common cliche was making a mountain out of a molehill. This is a cognitive bias. This is a generalization. This is a place where we tend to go to. And sometimes being able to see where's the worst case scenario helps us to prepare for it. So when done in a healthy way, it's not such a bad thing. If the mind latches onto it though, and we're more sensitive than, than usual, or those things happening in our life, then catastrophizing can become a problem. Overgeneralization. This is making broad interpretations from a single or a few events. I felt awkward during my job interview. I'm always so awkward. So we take one small thought and we just completely run it across everything. Now we, and we not only do this to ourselves, but we do this to others as well. Oh, he, he never does the dishes, never gets things done around the house because the dishes that were not done this particular day. But if we were actually able to take a step back and, to, and look at the last two weeks, the last four weeks, you'd probably find there were definitely times when the other person, your partner, your spouse, your roommate, did take the time to do the dishes. And so what you're actually saying, well, is overgeneralized and partially true. Number four, magical thinking. This is the belief that acts that you do will influence unrelated situations. For instance, it's not unusual in session when I have somebody having a thought of, I am defective, I am broken, so bad things will happen to me. Or they'll have the reverse of that. I am a good person, so therefore bad things won't happen to me or shouldn't happen to me. This is a certain level of entitlement. This is believing that this is how it is going to be. Another example that I've seen with magical thinking is if I work out and if I eat well, I, will, I can continue to smoke or I can continue to do whatever the behavior is because one will balance the other, one will offset the other. So this is a magical thinking of a sort. We're actually looking at one particular area that's not related and we're saying that it will influence the others. Number five, personification. This is the belief that one is responsible for events outside of their control. My mother is always upset. She would be fine if I simply just did more to help. My boss seems so angry. If I could just take time to get that extra project done, then my boss would be less angry. This may be the case, this may help, but what we're doing is we're taking something that's out there in somebody else's behaviors and somebody else's actions 
And we're thinking that we can somehow get into their minds and control it. We can actually control that situation. And that may not always be the case. And we will often do this just because we do not like to see other people upset. We do not like to see other people angry. We do not like to see other people sad. And so we believe that we're somehow responsible for the events that are actually outside of our control. Your business, their business. If you're minding their business, who's minding yours? Number six, jumping to conclusions. This is interpreting the meaning of a situation with little or no evidence. Sure that you can find this. Somebody will say something or you'll hear one snippet of something or you'll walk in on the end of a conversation and they'll stop talking. And what does your mind do? Wonder what they were talking about. Were they talking about me? Were they talking about me? Oh my gosh, they always talk about me. Overgeneralization. They must be getting ready to fire me catastrophizing. So you can see how these biases can actually interact with each other as well. Number seven, mind reading. Interpreting the thoughts and the beliefs of others without adequate evidence. I mean, you might see them do something and they may have done it in the past. And so you'll think that they're going to do it again. Oh, he just walked right out there and he's not even going to take the, the trash with him. Your mind reading. What you may not know is that he was actually going out to pull the trash cans back to the house and then he was going to come back in and get everything out of the house instead of dragging everything across the, the driveway. Or she won't go on a date with me. She most likely thinks I'm ugly. That's jumping into their mind and thinking that somehow we can actually do this. Now we're making predictions, but then we're adding a lot of extra to it. Mind reading gets a lot of people in trouble. If I said no about going home for the holiday, I'm going to make my mother really upset with me. Maybe, maybe not. We're mind reading. Interesting quote I saw the other day. We will spend half of our lives in other people's minds. And I think that this number seven, mind reading, absolutely affects that. Number eight, fortune telling. The expectation that a situation will turn out badly without adequate evidence. The wild thing is, is that when we fortune tell, when we project what we want to see or we think is going to happen, oftentimes we create that self-fulfilling prophecy because we actually look for it and make it happen. Number nine, emotional reasoning. The assumption that emotions reflect the way things really are. I felt like a bad person, therefore I am a bad person. I feel like this person did it on purpose. I feel like this person tried to hurt me, therefore they definitely were trying to hurt me. What we're doing is we're taking an inner sensation and we're making it a cognition. We're making it into a fact. This one happens so fast as well that you can't even see it when it occurs. This one's responsible for a lot of great arguments that I've seen in my office. Number 10, disqualifying the positive. This is when we only pay attention to the negative aspects of a situation and we ignore the positive. One might receive many complaints at an evaluation, but you'll focus on a single negative one. I had a client who just did something like this. They had sent out a survey to get some feedback on a product that they were running. There were over 30 responses but this person only paid attention to the two ones that actually were negative about the program. 
Now there's also some emotional reasoning that came into effect with this person, as well as mind reading. And they took it personally, to a degree. So it's easy to disqualify the positive because the mind is always looking for the negative. It's always trying to fix and solve our problems. So this one makes a lot of sense that we would do this, but sometimes we do this at our own peril. Number 11, should statements. The belief that things should be a certain way. I should always be selfless. I should always be friendly. I should always be kind. You can also reverse this and say, I should never be angry. I should never be sad. The should statements are these broad sweeping generalizations, which suggest that it's possible to not be sad, but to be able to access happiness only when if we get rid of sadness, how would you know what happiness is? Plus the fact that we're human beings and we have a full spectrum of emotions that we will get to experience multiple times in our life. Thinking that we should only have certain types of those experiences, well, that falls short. Finally, number 12, all or nothing thinking. Thinking in absolutes. Think always, never, every. I will never do a good enough job on anything. I will always be late. Everybody is out to get me. All of these are the all or nothing thinking, black and white. Family always comes first. Well, this type of thinking can get us into trouble if we're in an abusive situation. If family always comes first and you're married to the abuser, it makes it hard to get out of it. You've got these, these rules running in the background. And that's what all of these dirty dozen are. They are all rooted in approaches that we have adopted and then adapted along the way. A lot of times, this dirty dozen, they will work just fine. They will move us through, especially if we can just remember to, that they are tools and that they help us so that we don't have to constantly think and choose every single moment of every waking moment throughout the day. So take a while, play around with these, and see if you can find any of the dirty dozen in your day. And remember that in doing so, you're beginning to objectify that which you are normally subject to. And when we can begin to diffuse from these thoughts, when we can see them for what they are, stories rooted in rules that we have developed since the moment we arrived here on Earth. I hope you enjoyed this review of the dirty dozen. Thanks.